Welcome to Raw Female, a podcast that offers an unfiltered look at women in midlife. We're your hosts, Chris and Allie. Hey, sister. Hey, today we have on Amanda Thebe. She's been a fitness and nutrition expert for three decades, and she's also all about being proactive about women's health. She also wrote a book called Menopocalypse, How I Learned to Thrive During Menopause and How You Can Too, which I know, Chris, you and I both read cover to cover, which was amazing. Yeah, great hacks, lots of great information. She tells us what's happening in menopause and what to do about it. And she's got tons of takeaways. She does. She's not into gimmicks. And she also has a website called fitandchips.com. So you can look at her there as yeah, well. She's got tons of stuff on social and she's just a great, reputable resource. So let's get to part one of our two-part series. Great. Amanda, we are so happy to have you on the show today. We love that. I love all this. Oh my content. god! I, loved, I can't wait to get. I love the book. I love the tone. We of both the book. read the book. By the way, read the book cover to cover. Yeah, we're big. You've got a good yeah, writing yeah. style. We're big life that. hackers. So mm-hmm. let's get right into it. Um, can you tell us? And I know you've told this a hundred times, but what led you to write Menapocalypse? I am never in a million years. By the way, first of all, thank you for having me, ladies. I'm a huge supporter of yours. I know you're on a mission and I love what you stand for. I always wanted to write a book. I think, you know, all of us feel like we've got a book inside of us. I always thought it would be about travel or culture or something that is like exciting, but I wrote one about (laughs) menopause, but (laughs) it wasn't, it wasn't on my like target to do. But I ended up writing it because, you know, I'm very deeply entrenched in the fitness and wellness world (laughs) for my sins. (laughs) It's not a very pretty place to be. Sometimes it's very frustrating for somebody like me. And for those of us that are trying to have a sane voice with a balanced view on, you know, how to get fit and stay healthy without all of the bells and whistles and gimmicks that are out there. And um, I found that when I started going through perimenopause, um, as I I talk about this at the beginning of the book, um, I just had a couple of years where I was really unwell. My quality of life was completely impacted. It even impacted my relationship with my husband, my children and my friends. It was just wretched. And um, the doctors I, I saw all wanted to help me with what mm-hmm. symptom, right. with the symptoms right. I was presenting with, but none of them were experts in hormones. None of them said, maybe this could be perimenopause. It was never a conversation. And it was a by, a by chance conversation I had with an annual checkup that my gynecologist said, these are definitely perimenopausal symptoms and they're valid and I can help you. And so I was like, how is it? I'm so well tuned with the body and I'm so like, like in tune with myself and food and nutrition and movement, but I didn't have a clue. Right. And you were coming. 43. So, right. 42. Right. 40, so yeah, it wasn't, 42, 43. Yeah. You know, and you know, it was unusual that it, I think it's unusual that it's not on all of our radars, but it isn't. Yes. I was yes. like, he what? said, you were in menopause. And I was like, I actually <laughs> said, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And he started laughing and he went, well, right. why would you say mm-hmm. that? Have you had any hot flashes? And I was mm. like, will yeah, right. you stop? Right. Like, this is not something that happens to a fo-. Mm. And he was like, it very much is. And so after that, 
I went down the perimenopause rabbit hole, started writing a lot about this for different platforms, ended up gathering a lot of research and a body of work, and it just sort of came together in a book. But I like felt that way and felt very isolated and separated from everybody when I was going through it. Um, and what's happened since I've wrote the book and I have a community as well, you know, I chat with other women. They're all saying the same thing. I've never felt so alone in all my life. The information's so difficult to find. Blah, right. blah, 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 blah. You know, it's like rinse exactly. and repeat. What exactly. symptoms were yeah. you having, I guess, at that time? And what symptoms are you seeing now that you've like written the book and done all that? Is there a commonality with the symptoms that are out there? And what symptoms did you have that, that were getting into that space? Like, oh my God, I am going through perimenopause. You're right. Well, I mean, that's a really great question because if we were to think without any basic like knowledge, just from what we hold our beliefs inside of us, we believe that menopause is about maybe some hot flashes and mood swings, mm-hmm. right? We just, it's pretty much it. Your period, stop, blah, and that's it. Um, and what happened to me is I got really bad vertigo to the point where I couldn't walk. I had to crawl on my hands and knees and then I was puking everywhere and I had I lost feeling in my face mm-hmm. down the, only down the right side and it ran down to my hands and I literally thought I was having a stroke. And when it cleared up, it kept happening over and over again and I couldn't work out why. It didn't make any sense. There was no pattern to it. There was no cycle to it. I wrote, I'm really good at like recording things. And so when I looked back at how frequent it was happening, I was having these episodes three to five times a month with and there was no rhyme, no reason about them. And so um, when I presented to my doctor initially, he said, we need an MRI scan. You need to see a neurologist. We need to make, we need to rule out anything serious. Right. And he was really helpful. He wanted to help me. Um, and then, um, you know, other things started and, and it turns out I have migraines with aura, which is a really typical symptom of menopause. Well, see now I never knew that until I read your book. I know. Let's be honest. I would guess that most women, I'll say I'm like average woman, right? I actually thought menopause was like your period just stopped. And you get dry. And And you you get get dry. dry. I had no clue because I've had joint pain recently. And I'm like, I had no clue that that's part of, like they're all of these symptoms that are part of menopause that we're not, the medical professionals aren't trained on. We don't know. We're not socialized to even talk about it. So that's, so, that's changing. Do you think that's so? Changing. Okay. Thank so, goodness. okay. So just to go, circle back to the symptoms. Yeah. So you had what you say are common mm-hmm. to me in my lay view. Wow. Wasn't uh, my understanding is that they're not common. What other symptoms did, mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you outline? Well, well, yeah. So, so, for, so for me, it, they, they weren't common. I'd never had them before. And cause I never got a headache. I even said to my mom, did you, what could this be? And it was only about four years later. She said, you know, when I went through menopause, oh, I had the worst migraines mom. ever. And I was like, bloody hell mother. And she went, but you never got a headache. <laughs> These <laughs> mothers are not helpful. The, the they com- are not helpful. That generation was on lockdown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were on lockdown. Mm-mm. Oh, we love mom too, but she dropped the ball. I have not met a mom that has informed her midlife daughter about reality. But my but my gran, when I went on the phone to my gran, my gran said to me, she's always been she's not with us anymore, unfortunately. She's always been like the female influence in my life. And she and I had this one time where I had this like <laughs> alien birth. 
And then it lasted for 30 days and I literally thought I was hemorrhaging. And she just was like, it probably is like a last salute to your periods, darling. It's probably like you flushing out and going through menopause. And so my gran was my open and I talked to her about it and she was very helpful. Um, but what I was going to say is that then that when by the time I went to my um, gynecologist, I also was not, I didn't recognize myself, my whole um personality had changed. I wasn't socializing. I was withdrawn and it was very not like me. And he said, you know, you're, you're struggling with depression and we know depression is heightened was as we lose these um, hormones. And what I was going to say to answer the very first question you asked is like when I've spoke to other women, what type of things that they presented with that they like go to the doctor to and then ask for help. And it's, it's not recognized as perimenopause and nearly all the time it's neurological, emotional, mental health, um, is impacted. So what we know now is, that's fact is that although estrogen is mainly produced in the ovaries, it actually impacts so many systems in our body. In fact, we have estrogen receptors almost everywhere. We have them that cross the blood brain barrier. And so when women start struggling with cognitive health, brain fog, losing words, losing the ability to actually just have conversations without going into having panic attacks, like depression, anxiety, all of those are some telltale signs that they're having um, um, symptoms of perimenopause, as is migraines, all like neurological, right? Um, joint pain, all of those things, even like heart palpitations. Um, the, it's There's so, there's so many um, symptoms that come up, but I think to me, the biggest one is probably the mental health aspect of this. And so when women go to their doctors and say, I don't feel myself, I think I'm depressed. Because you usually have 10 minutes and you go in with one symptom because you want it sorted, right? You don't go in and go, well, last Tuesday I had a hot flash, but then on Wednesday my vagina broke. <laughs> my you vagina don't do broke. that, right? You, you actually <laughs> you go in with that. one symptom. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then typically what's happening in the medical community who you rightly say, unfortunately, have never been trained in the management of menopause. They will overprescribe antidepressants instead of going to the first line treatment of hormone therapy, which is what we know is the most helpful treatment for women. So what did your, when you went in and you had this conversation, what did your doctors actually say? Like, how did... You said you had a good, it sounds well, like you sounds had, like a, you good had a, a good doctor. A good gyno. Gyno. It was the gyno. It was the gyno. I'd already, I'd already yes, been through been... a series of, yeah, I'd already been right. through a series of other specialists who were really good at what they right. did. But they were looking for something else. Something right? else. Yeah. And so my gynecologist was a really old guy that when you went in, he was like, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And then you literally had no time to ask any questions, but he, he, he could see that I was like, there was something wrong. And he said, do you want to talk to me? I'm on my lunch. I'll eat my sandwiches and you can tell me about it. It was like the most, oh, we it was love just lovely. That. It yes. was like, it was, and cause I literally yes. dismissed him ever, for the last few years I'd seen him. And so, and then he said to me, you know, I see 10 women like you every day. This isn't like, it's not my first rodeo type thing. And this, bearing in mind, I was like about 43, 44 at this stage. I'd been struggling for a few years. He then said to me, I can help you. And I'd like to give you hormone therapy because that's what's going to help your symptoms. It will help with the depression and it will also help with your migraines. Um, 
And any other symptoms that might show up, it'll help sort of like calm all of those hormones down, such that type of thing. And I went, oh, now you want to give me breast cancer. Right. Because that was exactly. literally the place yeah. I went was, to. Right. Well, and that, that narrative has been out there for a long time. Right. Do you yes. want to talk a little bit about that? Because it's interesting that you led with this. I did. And I yes. want to, I want to hear what you found out. Cause the one, the one thing I have to tell our listeners about Amanda is that she does her homework. Mm -hmm. So yeah. she may not be a medical doctor, but she vets her stuff like nobody's mm -hmm. business. Yes. Yeah, right. So, you know, like that, that conversation ended sharply. I stopped it. I mm -hmm. wouldn't even let him explain. That's right. just me. I'm a bit of an asshole sometimes. And I also had had a bad two years and I just wanted him to give me something that I was prepared to take. He gave me an antidepressant and the antidepressant obviously was going to help with the depression. And he also said um, the off-label benefits can help with hot flashes and cold flashes and night sweats. And, and there are some antidepressants that do have off-label benefits that are a valid treatment option. So anyway, I took that option, Did not know then, that. Went down the then went down the perimenopause rabbit hole, completely changed my stance as soon as I became informed. And it's really important that we're allowed to do that, right? I think that as soon as you make a stance, I will never take hormone therapy then, like uh, that type of stance. You need to have valid information as to why. I went in there with misinformation um, and invalid beliefs. Um, I also remember my mom going through it and saying, you're not taking it, you're having hormonal, you're having um, herbal stuff. Like I just was like so scared about it. I then just with, with my work and my, um, like articles and stuff, just started finding experts and they found me and I'm talking about medical experts. So right. even in my book, I never, ever give medical advice. I'm very much aware of what lane I stand in. I understand my scope of practice, but I am able to relay what the data is out there. I literally collected data from all of the medical professionals that matter right now. There's a whole lot of menopause experts Dr. Avram Blooming from right. um, who wrote Estrogen Matters. Got that right I spoke there. To, yeah, yeah, it's a brilliant book. And I yep. and so I spoke to all of these experts, completely changed my stance on it. And then try to like share this with women because especially here in the US, it's so very difficult to understand what it means for hormone therapy. So we first of all have this stigma that it's going to cause breast cancer. And we need to debunk that. We need to move away from that message because it's dated. It's from a, a, a study that was done 20, nearly 20 years ago that has since been pulled back by the researchers who were involved with the study to say it was incomplete, it was flawed, and estrogen is not a known carcinogen. It does not cause cancer, right? And but there may be some contraindications for women who have breast cancer that they can't take it, but it's not been linked to a cause. In fact, things like smoking, being overweight, drinking wine every day, you're more likely to get breast cancer from those risk factors than you are from taking hormone therapy. And women who take hormone therapy are statistically likely to live longer than those who don't because estrogen protects us. It's a protective hormone and we need it in our body. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that, and that study was the women's health initiative study, I think, right. Back 2002. In the, right. Right. And I think a lot of, um, gynos still quote that just offhandedly when you go in and you ask for hormone therapy, they'll say, 
oh, you know, if I'm going to give it to you, but only for a little bit because it's blah, blah, blah. So, well, it's yeah. a little bit of a trickle down, right? Is that that was there? They they haven't had training. Like, isn't it some mm. small, teeny, tiny percentage of those doctors are getting a teeny, tiny percentage of menopause, like training right. for women going through menopause? It's actually frightening mm. how little it's a dis it's a disservice to it's women and you know disservice. if this was men going through this if wow. all of a sudden at 45 oh. a, a woman a man's penis deflated and went floppy right then they would have that fixed i mean well, viagra's been out do. for ages it's the because biggest it's drug men. out there yeah. now yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> like, so for yeah. so for women yeah. like if you go to your your gp your primary caregiver chances are they've had zero zero medical training in the management of menopause. And it's called the management because it's like how you prescribe to help a woman, mm. right? They know what menopause is and they've got these old beliefs that, you know, it can cause breast cancer and a woman should be on for the smallest dose for the shortest period of time. That's just an arbitrary statement that was put out there just to placate mm-hmm. women. There was like, no, there's no science behind that statement mm-hmm, at right. all. And so, When you go to a gynecologist as well, you may think, I'll go to a woman's health expert. They're going to help me. Um, In medical school, only 20% of the the OBGYNs will take menopause management. And so um, even then, it's shocking. And I've even had a conversation today. So it's just a bloody minefield out there. And it drives me crazy because I had a woman contact me today and said, I went on the North American Menopause Society right. Find a Provider site because yep. that should be a valid place for you to find a provider. She went to the site, found a gynecologist. The woman has a private clinic, charged $350 mm-hmm. for the appointment, made her take a test that she didn't need that wasn't like supported by the North American Menopause Society, offered her pellets and um, also unregulated hormones to help her and a whole bunch of supplements. It cost her $2,000 for that appointment. And it's like, Whoa. even the people you think you can trust. Right. How do you, how do you pull and find the right people? Well, I think it's, it can be easy, right? So there's people like me that have written a book and have told mm-hmm. you what the actual facts are, what the medical community is saying. There are valid bioidentical regulated drugs available from the FDA approved and by your insurance company it should cost you no more than a few mm-hmm. dollars a month. And the testing you need is not required. Like you literally can, should be able to present with your symptoms unless you're really young or really old and be prescribed help based on your symptoms because the actual treatment options are very, very simple. What the doctors give you are a very low level of estrogen, usually transdermally, meaning via the skin, which is our largest organ, and it bypasses the liver that way. So you can have gel patch or spray. And if you still have a uterus, if you're a woman with a uterus, um, estrogen can thicken the lining of the uterus. And in order to stop that happening, which can eventually over time lead to like uterine cancer, you have to take an oral progesterone. And then again, that's bioidentical, meaning it's similar to the hormones your body produces, and that can help protect the uterus. And so like, that's like standard practice. Mm-hmm. And so, but, so when you're being fed like it's a money-making scheme it drives totally. me crazy I, I find it really disheartening but if you can go to a doctor with facts and say right I know what I want I know the FDA have approved drugs I'd like to try them 
If he won't help you, then go somewhere else. Yeah, go somewhere else. Ask for a referral. I got to say, I had my gyno for I don't know how many years, and I had this conversation with her kind of lightly just to see. She went nowhere with it, and I'm like, I'm done. I I can't Mm. be with a gyno that's not going to sit down with me and say, what are your symptoms? Let's talk about, I mean, I'm 52, and this right. is in the last few years. So my take is the same. If you're with a gyno that's not having these conversations, even after you're prompting them, it's time to change that up and get a new gyno. Mm. I actually ask really your friends, ask, ask your friends, friends and ask for referrals. I love that your your gyno was a man. I do too. An older guy. An too. older guy. I love that, that feels and gyno, good. And my gyno here is an old South African man, and he's just been the most. But he's like my granddad. I love him. Right. I, go I, and go. I had an older endocrine phrenologist who was right. 80 years old. And I felt like he was so pro proactive and advocating for me and my whole, cause I had a so thyroid don't disconnect, yeah. don't discount yeah. men doctors mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. because we're female. I don't think so. Yeah. I hear okay. the message all the time that you should right. only see a female practitioner. And, and I've seen female practitioners that have just tried to get money right. off me. And so yeah. I don't know. I think you've got to just, just go by like the, maybe if they've got reviews, reputation, referrals, um, usually the North American menopause society's website has got some valid options. There's another place that I like called Geneve for, for North America, mm-hmm. yes. which is G-E-N-N-E-V. It's a telemedicine service and they set you up with um, registered professionals and you can then get a prescription that you can use via your insurance because if you get unregulated drugs and the insurance company don't cover you, you're probably talking $350 a month. Right. So there's privilege right there. Right. Women who take them, whatever. Like if you want to spend that type of money, fine. But for most of us, we can't afford that. Right. And we'll put those in the show notes too. Because I I know, yeah, I'm familiar with both of those. Join us next week when we talk to Amanda about diet, exercise, and lifestyle choices in midlife and menopause. Chris and Allie are not medical professionals and we don't play them on the internet. Our podcast is for informational purposes only and nothing is intended as professional or medical advice in any way.